0: This is Coda Radio, episode four hundred and sixty-two for April eighteenth, twenty twenty-two. Hey, good luck and welcome into Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business, of software development, and the world of technology. My name is Chris, and our hoster with the moster is Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Hello, hello, hello. How are you all? Hello. You know what? Today's a big day for me. I'm wearing suspenders. That's so classy. I love it, dude. I love it. I look like such a boss. It's ridiculous. It's the best. <laughs>
1: That's right. You get those workers back on the railroad where they belong.
0: All I got to do, right, if like they're not listening, I just... I just snap them. Snap them. Yeah. Right up against the boobies. You need a Charlie Chaplin hat, though. (laughs) Complete the ensemble. I mean, it is literally the best thing I have done for my wardrobe in the last 20 years. It's it's fire, dude. It's so great. Coder Radio,
1: where you come for depressed old men missing the 90s and suspenders.
0: (laughs) I'm writing this down right now. Coder, suspender, swag. You know what it's like, dude? It's like my pants have their own anti-grav units now because you don't have the sensation of a belt. And, you know, I'm a guy with a bit of a belly, too. So, like, I really feel a belt sometimes, especially a big buckle. Like, I don't have any of the restraining kind of, like, always there feeling of the belt. But all of the advantages of the suspenders. So it's like my pants just float, dude. You know what else? No more accidental crackage. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, Oh,
1: I know what you're talking about. That's
0: gone now. That's that's how old Chris did things. New Chris, his pants float on their own. So I'm gonna just I'm just jotting this down. Coder swag suspenders. If anybody out there works with a big suspenders distributor, yeah, contact me, Chris at JupiterBroadcasting.com.
1: You know what? He didn't lead us
0: wrong with the robe,
1: people. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise than that, I got locked out of my Google account. Has this happened to you? Uh, locked out? No. Serious health issues and getting locked out of my Google account rank as like some of my top anxiety inducing stressors. And so I'm over at Alex's house and he's got this tricked out sideloaded Android app on his TV called like block ads or whatever. And I'm not a big fan of ad blockers at all, but I wanted to see what it was like doing. And I wanted to see if it targeted the JB shows and like, you know, I thought, okay, let's give this a go because YouTube has gotten real bad and it just does YouTube ads. It's a community contributed database where people mark like the self promos and the swag pitches and the hidden embedded ads and like the use my Patreon stuff. Like you can choose from all of that, which this is just going to devastate the YouTube ad market if this thing ever gets popular. But it won't because I installed it in my Chrome browser to check it out to see what all the different categories were and whatnot. And then Google flagged my account as suspicious, logged me out of every account I have, which is a lot because every show has a Google Apps account for its inbox because we have a Google Apps back end. So I got logged out of every show, I got logged out of my personal account, I got logged out of my primary account, everything. And so then like all of the apps that I used that signed in with Google, they also all got bollocks, they all got screwed up, they all got logged out. And then because it's Google and they write horrible UIs, I ended up getting stuck in these loops where I get signed in but then forced to reset my password and then get signed in and then forced to reset my password And I would go through like this wizard and the wizard UI was horrible. And I probably did that for two or three hours. And it just kept cycling me through the entire security process until I came back to Washington. And I uninstalled that extension. And then the final time I logged in, it all stuck. But I probably went for three or four days with no access to my inbox while I was traveling back home. So three days. It was three days. So no access to my inbox. No access to my YouTube channel stuff. I had to have Wes, because Wes also has access. I had to have Wes do stuff for the JB channel for me through his access. Uh, um, I mean, it was just a total F. And having separate accounts to do this stuff, like I separated out like the JB channel, the Jupyter Broadcasting YouTube channel for my personal account many years ago, having that separation did not matter because all of those accounts were signed into my web browser at the time. That Oh, and of course it was Chrome. Right. So they they were able to do this extra deep reach into my system because it was Chrome, because I was signed in and Chrome to all those profiles. It signed them all out for me to protect me. And then it sent me through days of loops to protect me. You know what the most frustrating thing is, is every damn time I like tell this story to anybody who's a techie, they always go, well, you ought to just get rid of Google. You ought to just leave Google. Man, you know, when you have a Google Apps as your business back end and you have YouTube as a as a content producer and you got to publish things on YouTube, like you just like you're stuck, man. You're stuck. They've got you by the short hairs.
1: So you think they saw the application you tried to sideload and just went a
0: Maybe because it was like a, it was like a Chrome extension. Plus, I was at a different IP while I was at Alex's house.
1: Like Yeah, that I could see because that would be why it worked in Seattle.
0: But all the other guys didn't have that problem. Like Wes and Brent are there. They didn't have that. You know, it was. it had to be the combo or something. But man, did it suck. You know, it really made me think about how I really as I build stuff. I know we talk about this all the time, but as I build stuff that I use for the business going forward, I, I've got to think about it in a way that it's self-hostable. Like it is a huge wake up call and it's not such an easy story. but. You know, maybe I just reduce my exposure to just YouTube or something like it made me realize there's further steps I could take. But it also made me realize that I'm very grateful that a lot of the infrastructure we've deployed since JB went independent again has been self-hosted. You know, like the docs editor we use now, we self-host that. Our paste bin we use to capture our emails, we self-host that. And even the more recent stuff, like the Bitcoin node for the boosts, like that's all self-hosted now. All of that, I think, is probably the way I'm just going to take things as much as I can in the future. And some of these services are just just too centralized, but the ones I can, I'm just going to go independent where I can, where it makes sense, where I can actually manage to do it. And in that spirit, we got some boost to start the show out with. Boost. User77 sent in 5,000 sats and says, I can commiserate with Mike. My car's ECU also decided to stop injecting fuel a few weeks ago. Ugh. Now, I wasn't driving at the time, but I did end up getting stranded hours from home. On top of the repairs, I had to pay for four nights of hotels and the diagnosis and a missed week of work. Another anecdote, it took three adults in about 10 minutes to start my washing machine (laughs) that the landlord just upgraded, quote-unquote. I had to unplug and reset its computer and all of it just so it could play its stupid, pretty music with an LCD screen. Why do these objects have to be smarter than us? Yeah, that sucks. That's bad. Also, there was a story about a Tesla driver that got stuck going 83 miles per hour down a California highway, at least he alleges. He says his Model 3 computer froze up while on Interstate 10. He claims that he noticed it started to get hot in the car and that a weird scent started coming out and that the brakes seemed like they were operational, but it just kept going. (laughs) He was nervous someone would slam into him. That's just terrible. We've stumbled onto a bit of a theme here. It started with the Mazdas that got locked onto the NPR station. Then your car's computer took a crap. Then user 77's car's computer took a crap. Then this Tesla story about the car computer taking a crap. Are you sensing a theme? You know, I just got my car back today.
1: And in addition to the warranty repair, $1,400 later, oh, no. the whole fuel pump had to be completely replaced. Which they claim had nothing to do with the warranty repair. You know, the chip regulating the fuel pumping mess, nothing at all. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I didn't run the pump over or, or Nothing, no.
1: No, I didn't didn't run it too hard or whatever. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I think this stuff is a little, what's the British saying? Too
0: clever by half? Yeah, I like what Wes says in the chat room is that we turn cars into computers before we make computers not suck. Yep, exactly. <laughs> That's one of my rants to my wife. Every now and then when something doesn't go right, you know, I look over and I go, you know, Over 35 years, I've been using computers, and for 30 years at least, I've been promised that this was going to get better, and this stuff still isn't necessarily any better. CB boosted in with 40,000 sats. Actually, boost. Hey, guys. I liked your recent discussion around VR. There's a game I think you'd enjoy called, I think it's Encodia, E-N-C-O-D-Y-A. It's on Steam. And it's a game that has a take on how VR might impact our culture. Played it last year and said that, well, it was actually pretty touching. So fair warning, it may hit you in the feels. But been listening to the show for years. I hope it never changes. Green bubbles for life. <laughs> All right, so there's a game to check out. If you're interested in maybe commentary on where VR could go, Encodia. And that's on Steam. Jacob tweeted the show. Hey, guys, considering Apple's recent changes to Mac OS, like disabling or crippling kernel extensions by default, switching from Bash to ZSH, would it be fair to say that Linux, or maybe even Windows with WSL, is closer to a true Unix system than Mac OS? Heresy, or do you agree? I would say BSD is closer. Yeah, I think it depends on what you're looking for here, right? Yeah, I, you
1: know, I, I kind of, I read this question. I think it's an interesting kind of academic exercise. I'm not sure what the value is in, in the argument. Yeah, really. I, I think about the things that have, like, hosed my various machines, including my Linux machine. It's always like, oh, well, your kernel version doesn't have this weird binary blob from NVIDIA or whatever, right? Oh, you're on a Mac, and this program you use that's vital to you has a kernel extension that Apple doesn't like, right? It's it, it's like, I don't know. I, I, I guess... Though, again, the Unix philosophy the OG Unix philosophy. I'm not sure how they would feel about the just frankly the binary blobs in Linux right now.
0: I think you're right. It is kind of an academic exercise because if you think about deploying software, developing software, building software, testing software, you're going to run that in an environment that is as close to production as possible. So, you know, you're looking at maybe Docker desktop or you're you're looking at a VM that's going to be running Linux or if you're on Windows, you're going to be using WSL. And so I think it's sort of it doesn't matter because unless you're deploying for Mac OS, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. And even if you were, say, deploying specifically for Ubuntu, you would probably still end up developing in an isolated environment on Ubuntu, not actually on the host Ubuntu system, because your host Ubuntu system is likely changing because you should be installing security updates. It's not a static thing you can target. And you also need something that's portable. Think about it as a luxury of choice. And it's a transition I have absolutely observed in our audience. And, you know, the numbers in my, you know, I could I could throw numbers out there and say this percent or that percentage, but I can tell you when we do these meetups, people come to the studio or we were in North Carolina or when we were in Denver. The Jupyter broadcasting audience has diversified their desktop a lot, especially since the M1 hardware came out. A lot of what I thought would be an issue for Linux users, I think it panned out. The M one landed. Those savvy little jerks over at Apple. I don't. I, I don't even know if they did this. They didn't do this. I'm sure, but they nailed the tail end of the millennial generation. You know, people my age, late 30s, early 40s, jobs turned into something a little more serious that demands more of your mental powers, or you just maybe have less mental powers to spare, perhaps. You know, you got kids that have a certain age. They they have. They're starting to get some activity. You know, it's like there's just so many things going on in life. And you start to kind of reevaluate what you're spending your time on. And I cannot tell you how many people have told me, yeah, I just don't want to mess with my computer when I get home. And I just, I SSH into my Linode, or I have a VM on my box, or I have Docker desktop on my system, and that's how I build the software. And what I have realized is there are exponentially more users that connect to Linux boxes from other operating systems then there are users running Linux on their desktop. And it's just the reality of the desktop environment now. And so, like Mike says, it just doesn't matter. It's kind of academic because ultimately you're going to be running inside whatever most closely resembles your production environment in most cases. But MacDude writes in, hey, team, longtime listener was hoping for some advice. I'm currently a junior developer in a Linux shop. And so therefore I need to access a Linux OS when I'm developing at home. With my Intel Mac, I just used VMs, but that's not really possible anymore. For starters, VMware Fusion seems to suck on the MacBook Pro M1. And second, I often have to mess with assembly, so I'd like to remain on an x86 platform. I have a desktop that I don't use that I could just remote into and work from, and I was kind of hoping maybe you could give me an OS recommendation for that. I started with Fedora 35, but I couldn't get XRDP or VNC to work through Guac. I successfully installed RHEL 8.5, but as a support Docker without installing older versions and disabling the firewall. Can you guys just recommend a solid OS for development, something Linux-based, something that maybe I could access through SSH or remote desktop? I would like to access the UI from Guac from time to time. Is it weird to recommend just like an Ubuntu base or something like that? Like 2204 is supposedly shipping this week, perhaps the day after this episode drops. Maybe that's the way to go.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, GNOME 42 is looking pretty good. I, I've only read some stuff on it from, uh, you know, a few like OMG Ubuntu, places like that. But, you know, on my Linux machine, I run Pop. I would probably stick with an Ubuntu base, like Chris is saying. I mean, if you don't have any visual preferences for KDE, you know, I, I don't think anybody could fault you for just going stock Ubuntu 2.2.04, 22.04, rather.
0: Yeah, it's going to be out in a few days. And, you know, GNOME 42 is. Just a solid release. This week's Linux Unplugged, we reviewed Fedora 36 and Ubuntu and talk a lot about GNOME 42. But one of the things that didn't come up in that episode, but we have talked about in previous Linux Unplugged, so go to notes.jupiterbroadcasting.com and search for RDP because GNOME 42 is baking in an RDP server. So you can run an RDP server that has mutter that you connect to and you use whatever RDP client you like In my testing, I'll have to be honest with you, the Microsoft RDP client actually performed the best, but you could use any RDP client. And then you get a desktop session inside the RDP client that is being drawn and managed by Mutter. It's great. And I have not turned it on since like the first time Wes and I experimented with this, so I don't actually remember all the steps. But my understanding is is that in GNOME 42, there's actually a UI exposed now to turn that on. The capability has existed since GNOME 41, but the UI bits weren't there. And now the UI bits, I believe, are there. I have not tested that part myself. But that's what I would do, MacDude, is I would set up Ubuntu 22.04, and I would leave it for five years. That's why I'm recommending 22.04. I, out of these two releases that are coming out relatively at the same time, Fedora 36 and Ubuntu 22.04, personally like Fedora 36 a little more, personally. but yeah, you know, you're not going to want to reload this thing every nine months, right? Or you're not reload it, but maybe do an upgrade. You could, and it would work, I bet. I bet it would do really well. I, the Fedora upgrades have been solid. So don't totally discount it. But, you know, the 2204, man, you're just going to set it and forget it for like eight years if you want, right? And GNOME 42 is going to be great. Let us know how it goes. All right, so I didn't want to use this listener's name because we've all been there. So I felt like this was a problem that represented all of us. But he's been a listener for eight years, a software developer. He's been listening while his career has taken all the turns and all that kind of stuff. And he said, over the past three months, I've had problems with anxiety, panic attacks, and depression. It's been pretty bad at times. And hearing a familiar voice, the humor, and of course, the content of Coda Radio, especially when I can't sleep, has helped me out and helped me amend. It's in times of world problems. It's sometimes nice to get away from it all. So keep up the great work, much respect, and thanks for all your hard work. And I wanted to bring this in here because... I wrote back to them and I want to suggest anyone else who's kind of going through hard times right now. And I, I understand like, you know, we have just been through a couple of years of really rough stuff and, you know, we don't really know where things are going economically. We just don't know what the next few years are going to look like. And there is a community out there for you. If you just take some time, I know we're all really busy, but if you set aside a little bit of time and you join us on a Sunday and you get in the mumble room, for example, what you find is a bunch of kindred spirits that think and like the same things you do and they just want to talk about that stuff. They don't necessarily don't need to talk about the war in Ukraine or recessions or any of that kind of stuff. They just they're glad you're there and they just want to talk. Or just attending a live stream can be a bit of a mood lift because there's an energy to it and it's free and it's available to you. And we've all struggled with that. So I will link you to uh, linuxunplug.com/mumble for the mumble server info. Also on Tuesdays, bi-weekly soon, I'm going to start recording Office Hours, which is just a podcast that's sort of like a newsletter in podcast form, going ons with the network, helping coordinate meetups, giving away sats, talking about projects JB's working on. We have a whole bunch of projects this summer. We got a road trip coming up, all that kind of stuff, community stuff. And I'll have the mumble room going. I'll be answering questions, anything people want to ask, anything people want to throw at me. And it's another opportunity to come and join and hang out. And, you know, I'm not a very social person. I'm not necessarily somebody who's likely to take one of those offers up myself. But I can tell you every time I've done it, I've always come out on the other side really great. Really glad that I did. So if you're having a tough time, come hang out with your community. We are here for you. We're going to, you know, we're going to circle the wagons as times get tough. And we're going to be together as a community. Also consider our meetup page. We do have a West Coast meetup planned or we are working. We're beginning to plan it. You know, we just had one on the East Coast. In the summer, we had one in Denver. We're going to keep trying to do these things. We're going to try to encourage the community to do more of them. So probably the place to start would be jupiterbroadcasting.com slash meetup. And then if you'd like to participate in the Office Hours podcast, or if you're interested in what I'll be talking about over there, it's going to be Hours Dot hair? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Hmm. And I wonder why.
0: I, I actually went for dot show first, you know, because a, a lot of our stuff is yeah, dot Yeah, coder show. dot show. Yeah. Yeah. But that was taken. So then I thought, okay, well .fm, that invokes podcast, right? But it was taken. So then I thought .audio, but they were all taken, except for like .limo and .hair. There's not a limo? And it was a tough call, you know, but I felt .hair better represented, you know, me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. I see. (laughs) Uh, Yep. So office officehours.hair will be like the... The newsletter and a podcast. I'll probably do it bi weekly so it won't be it won't be happening a lot. And if you're in the all shows feed, you'll get it. Yeah. And then to end to the writer, you know, every
1: it's been a bad two years. Right. Just the only advice I could give you, listen to more JB shows, you know, everything's tough right now, I would say. Stay the hell off of Twitter. Yeah. It's nothing good can come of it.
0: Also, take the week off comments everywhere. Don't read the comment section. Yeah. Don't read the comments. Yeah, It helps. <laughs> Linode.com slash coder. Go there to get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account, and you go there to support the show. Linode is fast, reliable cloud hosting. It's the developer's cloud. You got to try it for your next project. It's what I use to build everything. Just recently, I deployed my largest Linode rig ever. I might have mentioned it to you. It's 48 cores and 96 gigs of RAM. I wanted to go all the way with this project we're working on to bring our matrix server up to a fully, like, multi-thousand user-capable system. And the nice thing about Linode is the dashboard made it really easy to kind of step this system up. Two years ago, we started, I don't know, I think it was maybe like one step up from the $5 a month Linode. And as the user kind of reached like three, four, 500 people, I went in, I did the resize option, I added a little more capacity. And then as we added like another couple thousand people, I resized it again Uh, And did a really big leap. And it's like, I never had to reinstall anything. Never had to reconfigure the disks. It's so nice because right before we left to go to Raleigh, North Carolina, we implemented a bunch of generic workers. And these workers can take advantage of multiple CPU cores. And so right before we left, so that way the system would just run great. And it has been. I turned that sucker up. I turned it up to 11. If you're a performance hound, Linode is so great because you can really dial this stuff in. And their pricing is 30 to 50% cheaper than the hyperscalers that are really just trying to lock you into their esoteric platform to begin with. And Linode's got 11 data centers around the world, so you know you're going to find something near you or your customers that's going to work great. And they've been doing this for almost 19 years. So they have everything from the support, the documentation, the UI, the API, all of that is so dialed in. And they have a ton of different Linux distros. So whatever your base distro is, you can make that work. They've got Bare metal systems they have really really powerful object storage that i can't believe how fast it is that we use for a ton of our back end production storage i mean the list goes on and on you really should go try it for yourself and that's why the 100 dollars i think is just a win-win scenario it's a great way to support the show but it's also a great opportunity for you to go try this platform and really put it to the test with that 100 dollars and they know that's what you're going to do it's a it's a vote of confidence from the that you're you're going to like this so go, go try it. What? I don't need to tell you any more about it. Go get started yourself right now at Linode.com slash Coder. That's Linode.com slash Coder. You get that $100 on a new account and you support the show. Linode.com slash Coder. This is glorious. This is glorious. Glorious. Like Marie Antoinette glorious. Yes. And I love how Apple just Immediately pounced, right? Like none of this, like just holding back and being quiet and being reserved. No, they immediately called out Meta's hypocrisy in planning for nearly fifty percent commission on Metaverse purchases. Also, sub headline: The Metaverse is officially dead. With this headline, this is ridiculous. A fifty percent cut? Huh, please, it's forty-seven point five. To be clear,
1: yeah. Oh, uh, yes. The yeah. IRS is pleased with your with your down to the to the to the point accuracy
0: oh don't even get dude don't yeah, I, don't even say the irs's name right now it hurts so bad
1: tell me about it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the part where we just start whimpering on the air <laughs>
0: uh-huh. i i mean it is there why is there uh, oh the oh it sucks to be a small business anyways moving on just, just real quick when i'm owed a refund it
1: takes i still haven't gotten it and it's been months when I have to pay, I don't pay in 30 days. That'll be a minimum of a $400 fine.
0: Yeah. And if you need an extension, you better take your best guess at paying what you can.
1: And you better not be low. Yeah. <laughs> you better not be low. Uh,
0: uh, wonderful, wonderful people. So uh, tax man over at Facebook, or Meta, I guess. You mean Mark? They are boning this up so bad. Ben Thompson really made me think about this, and he's absolutely right. They are bifurcated in their strategy. They are trying to be the hardware platform, the software platform. They are trying to use generic Android while trying to create their own VR OS. They're trying to use Samsung's ARM platform that's already out in the market while also running a team that's trying to create their own SOC, spending billions and billions of dollars in five years of time. And they're trying to do everything at once. They did kill their own VR OS and now they're focusing on an Android based one. They could be making that a general VR OS that any VR maker. Could use. They get their commission from the app store, or they focus on being a hardware vendor like Nintendo and they get a commission on the hardware purchase, maybe a small commission in the app store, but they don't charge you for both shipping on the hardware and shipping through their app store, especially when right now they're pretty much the only vendor. I mean, this entire thing is a ludicrous strategy that has been bifurcated from the beginning that is going to go nowhere. And even though This is like the whole focus of the company now. It's clear to me as day, and I'll put links in the show notes that I think help illustrate this. It's clear to me as day they are going to fail badly at this strategy.
1: Yeah, this is a non-starter. People are screaming about 30% on iOS, 47.5%.
0: Facebook in particular was screaming. Yeah, it, it just goes to show you that
1: these companies screaming about Apple, and I'll bring up Epic here, right? Yep. They're also a little jelly. You know what I mean? Like, and and I think we've all been guilty of this when we bitch about like the bigger player. It's sometimes, sometimes we have good points. Fair enough. Uh, a lot of the time, we also like if we were that player, we would be very happy with ourselves. I read this article and I went into a despair pit where I just hugged my Thaleo, because it, is it going to be possible for like our kids? to open software businesses or tech businesses and not just pay like insane taxes to some big platform vendor?
0: Not if there isn't some sort of big push for some sort of decentralization. I was also a bit sad because my hope here was that Facebook would push the technology forward and actually build a platform that got enough attention by getting enough users that better things and alternatives would be built. And we'd end up with a really nice, healthy, competitive, maybe even somewhat decentralized sort of metaverse ecosystem, if such a thing were ever to materialize. Because VR has sort of flopped like 3D televisions have flopped a couple of times, and we, we've seen VR bubbles come and go. It seems like if meta blows this, we're going to have to wait another decade before anyone's willing to give this a go. And they've al- it's already a foregone conclusion that they've blown it, because they cannot pick a singular focus and execute on a singular vision. They're trying multiple strategies at once and they're tacking a forty seven point five percent commission on top of digital asset purchases.
1: Pure madness. I mean it's
0: it's it's dead. They've just killed they've killed
1: they've killed it. I don't even understand how you get out of the pitch meeting. One, just like with this idea being the winning idea. And two, with your job. Right? <laughs> I, I don't because all right can i fry some bacon and, and we can hammer me on the prediction show at the end of the year if i'm wrong
0: oh yeah if we could ever remember yeah we could do that i mean i suppose
1: don't worry e- egon's always waiting for us
0: oh yeah i suppose okay get your notes ready egon
1: so here's what's going to happen right facebook is going to have all the crappy free stuff that mines your data much like it does now and oh, i'm sorry meta that mines your data and you know great that's going to be you know the regular people vr solution and then apple is gonna come out with whatever beautiful fitness-focused product they come out with, and that's gonna be the, you know, Lululemon crowd.
0: Fitness-focused, that's it.
1: That's it, baby.
0: You could totally start with fitness-focused. Make it work with the watch, make it work with Apple Fitness.
1: You know, I have been doing Apple Fitness. I just switched from, uh, I was using an app, I think it's called Map My Ride, because I I like cycling. This is neither here nor there, I'm trying to be less fat. And Apple Fitness because it's built in it's it's the the classic apple kind of shady advantage because we're literally built into the os it doesn't allow me to forget to like track something as soon as it realizes i'm on the bike the watch is like you seem to have been on the bike for five minutes you know and it can tell the difference between an outdoor it's 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 pretty good and it's also
0: and it notices when you kind of stop and say oh you seem to have stopped. should i stop tracking now and that's nice too
1: you know that apple whatever it is what is it the family plan the fifteen bucks or whatever, twenty I don't know what it is. But everybody in my house has Apple Music. We have Apple TVs, we have home pods, damn it, Chris. I did listen to the show you recorded without me, the clip show. A whole home pod segment, huh? I know, I couldn't believe it. Remember
0: how we used to talk about home pods all the time?
1: <laughs> I use, I use mine every day. It's fine. It's boring, but it's fine.
0: It just works. It is awesome because they support uh Dolby surround sound. So they actually work great as surround sound speakers. I
1: actually now okay. Bless me, Tux, for I have sinned. Again. I may have set them up in a stereo setup.
0: It's amazing, isn't it? It's an incredible sound.
1: I may now own four home <laughs> Big ones or minis? I don't have any minis. I'm not I'm not playing games.
0: Yeah. No, the big ones are the best. The mini is like it's like a voice if you need a voice assistant puck, then the minis okay.
1: To be super clear, this is two different rooms, right?
0: Have you looked into like speakers that good? Like you're gonna spend a grand now. It sucks apple has to make a big speaker again
1: i went down this dark rabbit hole of like wanting to do audio visual stuff for my my living room to have like a better you know because i like to watch movies and some someone on the internet won't name anybody pointed out uh, screen tearing from streaming
0: oh yeah yeah
1: so now i've been watching blu-rays again or 4k ultra blu-rays
0: oh yeah oh
1: and i'm like i need a soundbar this is this is how this madness started.
0: have you shopped for a soundbar recently No, not recently. I have considered a soundbar, though. It's
1: a sad Lion King level elephant graveyard of defeated companies. So I've decided that eventually Apple will make a soundbar,
0: and I'm just going to buy that. Yeah, they probably will. You know, they do have like a, a soundbar manufacturer that they recommend right now, and it supports AirPlay. See, this is the thing is if you got the iOS ecosystem, AirPlay is the secret. Little detail that Apple doesn't really promote much.: It's the blue bubbles for your ears.: It's so great, man, because like if I'm playing a podcast, or if I'm watching TV or whatever, or if there's music playing on the home pod, it automatically updates all of my devices with play controls. So when I wake the screen of my iPhone, I have the playback controls automatically, for my TV, even. So think about like, have you ever lost your damn remote and you just want to pause the damn TV or go back 15 seconds? Well, all I have to do is raise my wrist and I have the playback controls on my watch automatically because the AirPlay service has detected an AirPlay event and it updates the display or it's on my phone or it's I can pause it via the HomePods and it all happens without me ever touching a damn config file. It's so great. It's all just via DNS broadcast. Anyways, it's a great ecosystem and it's a shame it doesn't get the recognition it deserves. And I wish it was an open ecosystem because I'd love to have all of my devices participate. What it is, what it is. Anyways, metaverse is dead. That's fine, I guess. That didn't take too long. Not a huge loss. Maybe best overall. Maybe it's better for society. But I was very impressed with the virtual workspace capabilities. So was I. That really, for me, in a, in a like a, especially in a tiny workspace where I had family and you know stuff going on, and I just put that on and I was in, I was in a serene work environment. It was pretty special tailscale.com slash coder go there to get a free personal account for up to 20 devices and you support the show Tailscale has changed how i do everything now maybe it was this trip i just went on i don't know it's just it changes how i think about everything now like as an example i have been experimenting with different nix builds seeing if maybe this is the direction i want to take some of my local infrastructure and i spun up a nix os system on a vm here in the studio so that way I could also do a little live stream with it. But it not only is it behind its own NAT in the VM environment, but then it's also behind the studio firewall. Within probably 25 seconds, I had TailScale installed in Nix and then I had it connected to my TailScale network. And now I'm SSHing from home. I'm SSHing from my laptop right next to the machine that's running the VM. It doesn't matter, I just use the TailScale IP because I'm on that flat network. It's so quick to get started and it uses WireGuard's noise protocol for your encryption. So you get the security of WireGuard with a simplicity of tail scale that's helping you manage all of that. It's a zero-config VPN. It installs on any device in minutes. It manages the firewall rules as you need, and you can put a DNS server in that network, and it just does magic with DNS. The devices all connect directly to each other in a mesh network. I have it running on everything. My Arch x86 servers, my Raspberry Pi is running Ubuntu. My OpenSUSE Tumbleweed boxes, my iOS devices, my VMs running Nix. It's awesome. And because it integrates with my single sign-on system, it works with my two-factor and the authentication I'm already using there. And the VPNs are always on, and they work with every OS I use, and it has a GUI-based ACL editor. So it's just like the perfect tool I didn't even really realize I needed. Every now and then, there have been these tools that come along that change my workflow like collaborative text editing, like markdown and note-taking there, maybe like Dropbox and file syncing. Tailscale is in that tier of change my workflow forever, for the better, solving so many little edge cases all in one package, and you can get started for free for up to 20 machines while you support the show by going to tailscale.com coder. This is how I'm doing VPNs now. It's changed everything for me, including how I support family and friends. It's so awesome. Go try it. Support the show. It's free up to 20 devices. Tailscale.com slash Coder. We got an email in from Ethan, and he wanted to hear our thoughts on Moxie Marlinspike's take on Web3 technology. And he wrote a blog post back uh, in January. Moxie did. and. He wrote all about like what he sees as the shortcomings of Web3, NFTs, and some of these so-called decentralized technologies and decentralized wallets like MetaMask and whatnot. And it's a pretty, pretty astute and thorough critique. You know, he really calls out how NFTs are really just URLs to something sitting on storage that could be rug pulled at any point and about how a lot of these are, fairly clunky at a code level right now, and that they've gotten away with the excuses of it's just early days forever, and they keep recreating some of these wheels over and over again, it's pretty brutal. And then also this week, Jack Dorsey's first tweet, which sold as an NFT for $48 million originally, has just ended the bidding round with a top bid of $280. Yikes. Are we on the other end of the Web3 hype cycle? Or is this maybe the beginning of the hype cycle deflation? Not if, and Andreessen
1: Horowitz has a damn thing to say about it now.
0: No kidding, actually. Seriously, right? They will
1: shove that down our throats no matter what we say.
0: If there is a bit of an economic pullback, there is going to be a lot of bloodletting in this crypto hype bubble. There is so much crap and junk that I think it totally legitimizes people that think that crypto is a scam. I think it totally legitimizes a lot of their concerns because I think 98% of it is a scam. It's so much junk. You know, you look at it, here's a couple of red flags. Does it have a central founder? How were the original coins or tokens distributed? Is that still highly centralized, how it's held? Those are all red flags with these projects. Has the project delivered on their roadmap? Have they executed on their goals? Have they had downtime? All of those are red flags in so many of these crypto projects.
1: Oh, I can think of a a bunch more. Why is your coin different from every other coin? I mean, that would be my first question, right?
0: They're all trying, you know, like the ones we talked about recently, Cordana, Solana, Ethereum. They're trying to, you know, come up with their value adds that they have that are all unique. Moxie, which is kind of funny. So Moxie does this blog post about cryptocurrencies and Web3. And then like a week later, they do an update to Signal, which includes MobileCoin, which is a coin itself. So the bit of hypocrisy in Moxie's take here, because MobileCoin is a great example of something that is centralized. It is really not a a, a like long term project. It's got a ton of red flags itself. You know what? Can you can you fire up the griddle again? I always can, man. All right. Now, now you got to give
1: me you got to give me 18 months on this one. Okay, I think the U.S., so sorry, my European homies, the U.S. is going to hit an economic downturn within 18 months, and we're going to see a massacre of, quote-unquote, Web3 companies.
0: This is my thought, too.
1: Yep. Beyond that, I mean, I'm going to consider this a separate prediction. The current inflated wages for junior developers are going to dramatically drop. Well, they're they're going to go back to where they were, let's say, in 2019.
0: See, but I think you're still going to have a lot of inflationary pressure, which is going to still put pressure on wage increases.
1: Yeah, but if you have a bunch of st- – it's going to be like – it's not going to be as bad as uh, the, the 2000 crash, the tech crash. But if you have a lot of ki- – like, I I love you guys. You kids are great. But you do not deserve $70,000 out of a no-name college to be a junior developer. <laughs> I am literally facing a problem because I just – I. They're not worth it, right? I usually they 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 need to be trained. It's not that they're bad people; they they need experience. But right now, particularly, maybe I'm feeling my Tampa, you know, humidity heat here. The market is so overheated that if you can like get a B at like any like non-known university down here, you can walk in seventy-five grand or seventy grand to seventy-five grand, which is nuts for a junior person and it's i'm 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 experienced this problem but i'm also talking to friends in the in the industry down here they're having this issue where loyal employees have been with them for years and are like did you just hire that 23 year old to make well basically like what i make and he knows nothing and he's i always have to like help him or her it's it's a whole mess it's it's not anybody's fault well, listen to Unfilter. It's a lot of people's fault.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people at fault. <laughs> it, it is
1: not the young people looking for these jobs' fault. It is not the grumpy employers' fault for not wanting to hire them. You know what it feels like to me. You ever been to one of those parties, Chris, where you know you maybe when you were single, you know you're you're having a couple drinks, you're dancing, dance partner looks good, you're having a good time, and then you like wake up in a in a Wawa bathroom. This might be very specific, but
0: that sounds a little specific.
1: And then you realize, well, your dance partner maybe wasn't so good looking. Maybe that wasn't really a nightclub. That may have, in fact, been the gas station area of the Wawa. Right? Like they, yeah. <laughs> all these things come to pass when you basically sober up and realize companies have to make money, right? Like <laughs> your Excel spreadsheet needs to be mostly black, not red. I know this is an insane thing for like public companies to get away with it. This is just not going to be sustainable. This party is going to have to end, and it's going to end with, I, I'm afraid to say it, but I think a lot of these young folks taking these high-paying jobs, I'm not talking about you know people going to Stanford or MIT, fine, you guys are great, go on, go forth and conquer. I'm talking about like out of community college, out of no-name private college, they're going to end up in a situation where in two years from now, they'll be taking a $10,000 pay cut, but they will have situated their lives and their credit portfolio in terms of car payments, mortgages, lease agreements, things like that, at that 70, 75 rate. And they will be, for lack of a better word, forked.
0: So the punch bowl essentially is being taken out of the party. The punch bowl is being spiked and the punch bowl is being removed. What 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 I mean by that is easy free money for those closest to the faucet, those that were taking money and putting it into assets over the last couple of years, specifically the last year or so. They've been just getting money like crazy from the Fed. That's coming to an end. It's done. And so there's going to be probably a bit of a realignment from that.
1: Oh yeah, the the, the Fed is the bartender at my theoretical Wawa party, right? Like it, it it is not like we can you can dunk on the VCs, but like they're just doing what they do. They're trying to get theirs, right? They got to do something with all that money, <laughs> right? Like literally, they're like, "Are you wearing a hoodie? Did you say crypto to me? Here's two million dollars. Get
0: out of my office." And I, so I think you know that that party, the music has stopped. Well, I think there's still some dancing. You know, there, there's there is. But that's because these institutions are ginormous. They're huge. And they have to wait for like big meetings. And it just takes time for this alignment to happen. But I think you're right. I, I mean, the problem is, is I don't think the costs are going to go down. And so my I'll, I'll piggyback on your 18 months is, I think in 18 months, what could very well possibly happen is 60, 70, 80% of all of these Web3 tokens and cryptocurrencies are gone. Oh, for sure. And you essentially have, some stable coins, Bitcoin and Ethereum are the remaining survivors. And I'm extremely confident that Bitcoin will be the remaining survivor because it's been online continuously for 13 years. And it is always, always around, even if there isn't a bunch of money from Wall Street to go into it. So the price may drop out, but it's going to be there. And uh, I would imagine Ethereum just because of the momentum there and the development platform and the fact that there's thousands and thousands of developers now working on it, it's still going to continue. Yeah.
1: Ethereum has a kind of platform thing going on too, right? So Ethereum could be safe. But, you know, it's funny because I, I know demographically we have a lot of super like junior enthusiast devs that listen. Right. I think that you told me that years ago. Who knows if it's still true? But I think
0: it's true. Now they're all old seasoned uh, professionals now.
1: I don't know. Angrily installing uh, Sousa. That's what they're doing. But yeah,
0: we do. We do have folks out there. We have, of course, it's the whole spectrum. But there's definitely people early in that cycle that are listening to the podcast looking for tips.
1: Maybe I'm just hanging out with you too much and I'm getting old and grumpy, but I, 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 see this crazy shit going on, especially in a place like Tampa. Tampa's lovely. Tampa Tech's great. A hand on my heart. Right. But
0: I don't know. Some of these valuations seem a little wacky. Seriously. Like that, that don't make a lot of sense, guys. Some software companies or, or platforms are getting, you know, $30 billion, right? With no product. <laughs> Which... And then Linode sells for under a bill. You know, it's $990 million or something like that. But Linode is a company
1: that generates, like, it makes money.
0: It's a value company. It's, it, would be, it would be considered, a, you know, like a value business. It produces revenue. It's been around for 19 years. It's got a very loyal customer base, right? They, they serve a very specific part of the market that isn't really super served anymore. And, uh, like, it was $990 million. Meanwhile, you know, a, a crypto exchange platform is like valued at 20 billion. And like the guy that runs Binance is like one of the richest men in the world now on paper.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's totally gotten nuts. And uh, it's because the, the money has been just pumping. I don't know the numbers exactly. And this is probably outside my field, but uh, you know, it's something, it's something that's just, if you go look into it, I think it's shocking. And I'll just leave it at that. Like if you go research how much money has been printed, how many US dollars have been created in the last two years. Go Google search that. It's shocking. And you can see that the printing of that money overlays perfectly with the S&P 500 growth. It's wild. The two charts go up exactly at the same time because the money went into assets and stocks and including cryptocurrency. And someone in the chat room is making a good point. I understand like, rent. trust
1: me, I'm a renter. Real estate, again, it's another area that the money went into. Rent has gone up insanely since I've been down here. I'm not saying that, like, I'm not trying to be or Scrooge here and say, you know, to hell with these kids, don't pay them, whatever. I'm just saying it's not realistic. And I'm hoping that when this crash comes, that some of these, sorry, Blackstone, but people who bought up all these houses and screwed everybody else who should have been able to buy them. Get theirs right, like you know. This guy's talking about the Tampa area. It's somebody struggling at fifty-five k. Well, you know what? When I moved here, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to two hundred thousand dollars bought you a decent house. Now it's four hundred. That's nothing to do with real economics. That has companies like Blackstone and just other, you know, private equity speculators buying up all the houses, renting them out for. 16 to 2200 a month, plus insane fees. Like, if you have a dog, that dog costs you $50 a month forever for some reason. Makes no sense. There are predators in the market that are also doing bad things, right? So,
0: 60 Minutes did an interview with one of these bankers, and I don't remember which company, if it was BlackRock or one of the other ones, but there's several in the market, and they're buying up homes much over the asking rate. In some months, it's like 30% of all home sales have gone to these commercial bank companies. And 60 Minutes did the interview, so you could go Google, like, 60 Minutes, banks buying homes. I don't know. Anyways, uh, what the guy said is that the millennial generation just wants a turnkey home, and so they're giving everyone the opportunity to rent the American dream.
1: So they own a company called Invitation Homes. It's my landlord. I can tell you, and has been for a while, I can tell you for a fact they are not turnkey homes. In fact, when I came to my most recent house, I had to have a very long, very arduous conversation with the poor superintendent that they hire, not for like a little neighborhood, but for a county Oh, to say, hey, man, did you notice the toilet's not working? One guy? (laughs) One dude. (laughs) God. He's like on his iPad, like scrambling. I'm like, I'm not trying to bust you, but, you know. I know that he's like, no, if you, you need to tell us now or else they'll, they'll want to see us, it, it's you. I'm going to call bullshit on that. I'm sorry, but I, I shenanigans, I don't buy it.
0: It's horrible. And I've gotten emails from listeners when this, when we brought up things like this on the air before. Um, and it's like stories constantly of it took us forever. We finally found a home that works for our family. We offered five ten over asking and a bank came in and bought it out from underneath us and offered 30 over asking price. And it's just numbers like that regular folks just can't compete with. Welcome to one filter show. Yeah. I mean, it's all very unsustainable and especially when you run a small business, you have to like try to figure out how to do this. Like I can't just go around and raise our rates all the time. Like I can do it occasionally.
1: Give it a bell. Bell it. You don't have the pricing power of the larger companies.
0: Yes. That's just it. And so it, it really stings, and it really is a headwind that is hard to even calculate because they're not being honest with us about inflation, and they're not being honest with us about the entire situation. Nobody really knows. Probably it's probably what the problem is, and so you just kind of have to navigate on instinct, and you know try to pay attention and, and figure these things out on your own. And it's, uh, it's a treacherous time to run a small business that is based on sales and consulting. It's um it's tricky. And hopefully navigatable. But we shall see. Perhaps it won't be that rough. Perhaps the seas will be calmer than we expect.
1: Well, you can always call into Office Hours and get your group therapy session. That's true.
0: Office hair. Very true. Dot hair. God damn it. And, uh, you know, it's part of why we also started the membership programs. So that way we could still, it may be perhaps if sales drop off, right, we still have the support of our audience. So coderqa.co, if you'd like to support the show directly, you get the coderly. You also get access to the previous coderlies. You support the show. And as a thank you, you get a limited ad version, or free ad version, no ads now, of the show. And uh, you can also send us boosts directly with a new podcast app, a newpodcastapps.com, using a decentralized lightning payment network. You can send in just fractions of dollars or as much or as little as you like and send a message in with the show. That's the boost that you hear us talk about from time to time. That's using the new podcast apps. And it's a great way to support podcasting directly per on a per-episode basis. Boostagram. You send us a Boostagram we we'll read it on the show. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you'd like to send people this week? Uh, you know what? I might write a blog post. Go to DominicM.com. Hmm. I like it. You can find me on the Twitters. I'm at ChrisLAS. I'm also ChrisLAS on our matrix server, colony.jupiterbroadcasting.com. The podcast network is at Jupiter Signal, And this here podcast at Coder Radio Show. You can always send your feedback in over there as well. But of course, we have coder.show slash contact. Your feedback is a big part of the show helps shape the content, gets the conversation going. We, that's why we start the episode with it. So send us a boost or leave us a contact at coder.show slash contact. You can also join us live. Participate live. We do the podcast here live Mondays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern over at jblive.tv. And, of course, links to everything we talked about today, coder.show slash 462. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of the Coder Radio Program. See you right back here next week.